Now all of Fitz's planes are going to have these buttery thumbprints on the wing. (laughs) Welcome to the RC Roundtable Podcast, where we discuss the latest RC hobby news, events, model reviews, and a whole lot more. Well, a happy new year, everybody. It is now 2021, officially, as of five days ago. Yes, and there was much rejoicing. Yes, Yay. yes, the, the, the flaming uh, dumpster fire of 2020 has passed us, and now we've got the flaming pickup truck, dump truck of 2021. <laughs> Let's approaching. hope it doesn't have a big brother. <laughs> Great meteor of death, as they say, is coming. <laughs> all right, all right so. <laughs> welcome to the show <laughs> <laughs> welcome to the show it's a new year and uh, let's enjoy it while we can guys you guys had a good holiday lee you go first see <laughs> see okay see. Yes. we did we don't sound well, so excited <laughs> we did uh austin got his uh rv8 he likes it and he He's was like driving now <laughs> Uh, fits that RV8 I bought. Yes, yes. I know. <laughs> was that the E-Flight? Who makes that thing? Hangar 9. Hangar 9, okay. But the, yet? Well, no, but the best part is he opened the box and goes, wait, is this balsa? <laughs> 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 he's he's only got like one or two you know planes that are made from wood versus foam. But he <laughs> was a strange material. Well, it's lightweight yet very strong. <laughs> I don't understand. But, but the good news is it was a positive. He was like, oh my God, this is balsa. He was like, I'm going to take care and build this really carefully. So <laughs> I'm going to love him and hug him and name him. <laughs> so well, it's an ARF, right? It's an ARF. Um, oh, okay. And he's he's happy with his the purchase, so uh, I was glad to, that he liked it. You know, that was that fun trip out to where? Gosh, where we go again? Lumberton, is that right? The, 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 sounds good, right? Yeah, sounds, whatever you say. <laughs> where where I bought that mini bike? <laughs> <laughs> Buy one mini bike, get an RV eight free. <laughs> Thirty miles north of Beaumont. Yeah. So that was good. Out he, yonder. Out, out yonder. yonder. Yeah. So he got the plane. He gave me an IOU. <laughs> said, I was thinking of buying you the STL files for a P38, but if you want something else, I can do that too. <laughs> so that was the piece of paper I got. So <laughs> I, did, I was going to call you first, Fitz, because you've printed the two P38s, right? Have you flown one? Or I know you have one like in a hobby shop, right? Yeah. No, I haven't flown one. I printed one, printed half of another one, and then got distracted many moons ago by other stuff but so i'm gonna toy with that i'll just i'll leave him hanging i'll just throw it on him one day <laughs> give me that but speaking of 3d printing i actually uh just kind of moving to workbench i got my 3d printer back up and running now i'm doing some other projects so was it down uh just i remember i was having problems printing another plane couldn't, couldn't yeah. figure out kira yeah. so i thought well, it was your file yeah. issue not your printer issue yeah. No, it was it was both actually, but I'll, you know what? Yeah. I'll save that for our workbench. But so I, I I'm thinking I will print a pr- print a plane sooner than later, and okay. that's what I got for Christmas. But as soon as uh, Christmas is over, we went on a week long Boy Scout trip for uh, called Winter Camp, where it's a big merit badge class, and I taught shotgun. Had a blast. We had small classes, so it was so fun to just you know work one on one with these scouts and the best part was like on the last day everybody had qualified and we only had two students show up for the last p38 
period because everybody else wanted to go do something else. We must have given those kids like 150 rounds <laughs> to, to shoot whatever they wanted. By yes. the end of the day, all the kids were playing, oh. this is my boomstick. <laughs> <laughs> no, and I, I'll tell you, just to throw this in there, the it's been a long time since kids have used manners, I think. I think we kind of lost it in 2020. <laughs> but this uh, one girl scout, one female scout, how's that? Uh, she came up to me. She goes, this was my favorite merit badge, merit badge class. The guns? The, sh- uh, the shotgun merit badge. Yeah. Really? <laughs> that made me feel good. Guns we did. and girls, we, huh? We had a lot of fun. We had a lot of fun. So yeah. that, was my, that was my holiday. And now we're hmm. back in the saddle. Well, it's funny you bring up the shotguns because I had a revelation that it just never occurred to me until the other day that when you have shotguns and you go shoot at things, they're they're called clay pigeons, right? Yeah, clay targets. Ooh. Okay. Well, I've always heard them called clay pigeons, and clay I never thought much about it. And then I was watching this show. My wife and I started watching this show on Netflix called Bridgerton, which is based in the early 1800s in England. And they're skeet shooting, and they're using real pigeons. I'm like, oh, that's how they used to do it. So that's why the new ones got their name. Makes sense. I'm sure Peter would have something to say about it now, but... That that comes back from the olden days, uh, clay peons. (laughs) (laughs) No, Your Majesty, this is a very serious problem. The peasants feel you have no regard for them. What? I have no regard for the peasants? They are my people. I am their sovereign. I love them. Pull! Drifting to the left. (laughs) Run out there, Squire. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, lots of fun. Lots of fun. How about you, Terry? How was was your Christmas? Uh, Very low-key. I don't know if we went anywhere other than just around town to look at Christmas lights and things like that. I didn't do any flying, so yeah, I did a lot of work on articles and videos and things like that. So it was a busy time, but not a outdoorsy time. <laughs> so I'm gonna go back a little bit. You mentioned flying. Austin and I flew Christmas Day, and I flew the Storch, and he flew that uh, Joy's Way little float plane. Yeah. Was that the dragonfly? Yeah, or? yeah. Okay. <laughs> One plane came home <laughs> in pieces. <laughs> All right, so explain that. What happened? <laughs> he says he lost radio control. I, <laughs> I, I think uh, you taught he him lived. that one young. <laughs> <laughs> the wind. I don't know. All I know is that I just I was flying, and out of the corner of my eye, he's going, "I, I don't have it. I don't have it." And I saw it go right into a tree. <laughs> so, was there some flight time before that? Uh, not as good either. He, he said he was having signal problems, but I kept looking at the receiver. There was no blinking or, you know, light that was off the, you know, that, that signal light. And he was actually using one of the new six channel spectrum receivers. Huh. You know, we've, we've had issues there before, but I, you know, I had a lemon receiver, I think in the storage, an old receiver. I didn't have any issues whatsoever. I don't know. I, I think the CG, we, we talked about this. Probably not on the show, but I think the CG may have been off, and it probably needs to be dead on for that aircraft. So it looked like it was kind of flip floppy in the air. Nah, but I digress. It's a Delta. It's got a pretty wide tolerance. So <laughs> not this one. <laughs> he called me and asked me, "Did he listen to my advice?" Probably not. 
<laughs> you, you, you gave him math. <laughs> okay. I said point to where the CG should go. You were like, well, you've got to take this measurement. Maybe it was fits too. <laughs> well, no, no. He said uh, he had two different data points. One, like the instruction manual said one thing and a video said something else. I'm like, well, if you're not sure, pick the one that's further forward. And then you can adjust it after that. Yeah. Well, it's it's well well weathered now. Huh. Is it salvageable? Uh, yes. It is just not going to be pretty anymore. I was like, I was so sad. I was like, it looks so good, Austin. And now it's very white. <laughs> you spent be... a whole like bag of brush motors on that, right? Oh, <laughs> isn't that what you traded it for? I'm sorry. I was like, what are you talking? Yes, the, the deal, the brown bag deal. Yes. Yeah. Out at the Fantastic Flotilla of Fun. Oh, that's, that's the one you got from <laughs> Phil. Yeah. yeah. So I feel I feel bad that we dorked it, but I digress. I just, we yes, we did get to fly. The storage flew. Interestingly enough, the storage had some weird slide to it. I couldn't figure out what was going on. So uh, it wasn't flying as normal as it should. A weird uh, slide. Yeah. yeah. Just, what do you mean by slide? It just was kind of flying sideways. <laughs> oh, slipping. Yeah. Like crab. Yeah, it was. Nah, it wouldn't make up its mind. But I digress. Oh, that was all. And I'll cut to this. That was also the night when it was the uh, Saturn and Jupiter. Oh, uh, uh, that's what, your gravity was all off. Yeah, really. adjust yeah, your gravity you first. <laughs> no, I mentioned that because a lot of people showed up at the school to look at it. It was actually kind of cool. Oh, cool. So for the uh, storage, you know, that's a foam board plane, right? Just that's normal. F- did you? Test. Is it the waterproof stuff? <laughs> yes okay the, I, I, so there's the one that quotes. water doesn't stick to and then there's the one that glue doesn't stick to which it, one was it, it uh it was the brown paper bag storage. okay that's the one you had issues with the glue sticking or not sticking. At, correct yeah. okay did you check it for warps or anything i did and uh i had made a change on the tail i remounted the support lines earlier uh-huh. And there was a joint that had come loose that I reglued, but it didn't. I mean, it didn't look. It didn't look as bad as it was flying. <laughs> so, huh. not sure what was going on there. But I digress. You uh, couldn't just trim it out. Um, no, it was really odd. In fact, when I landed, the first thing I did was pull the motor. You know, tugged on the motor to see uh-huh. if the motor was wobbling. It was that's how much it was. It, it was like I had a, you know, adjustable motor, <laughs> like it was tied to my <laughs> rudder. It was very weird. But huh. I, I just want to say it landed. Okay. <laughs> in one piece. Right. Not in a tree. <laughs> Not in a tree. Yeah. All right. Oh, so enough about me, about Fitz. Fitz Aruni. Yeah. How were your holidays? Okay. A lot like Terry's. Kind of low key. Uh, not a big uh, celebration or anything like that. Uh, also, like Terry, we went to see some Christmas lights. It's real convenient for us. There's a neighborhood almost literally across the street from our neighborhood. Uh, that has uh, lots of Christmas lights. In fact, they have little signs that says, you know, go this way for girls, 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 and Christmas lights. <laughs> yeah, and so, so it's Christmas like a couple miles. right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you kind of make a big loop, a couple of miles or so, or maybe more than that. Uh, and so you just kind of we just went to see some lights. Uh, and uh, as I mentioned before, I actually spent most of my holiday, A, cleaning up my workshop. Uh, and Still? B, uh, well, I had some minor stuff to do. I still had some some lights I put up and stuff, but mainly um, in preparation for the new project I have on the workbench. So I spent a good chunk of my holidays, actually almost all my holidays, working on a new uh, review that's coming that I'll be working on. 
Uh-huh. So, so that'll be uh, mostly done. All right. Well, when we get to the workbench section, I think we are at the workbench section, actually. But when we officially get there, I'm going to ask you more about that. And is it something that you leaked on Instagram today? Uh, yes, it's what I leaked on Instagram. Okay. Very, very yeah. minor leak. Well, that's so, the only kind you do. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, there's not much I can say about it because I'm not supposed to really talk, reveal really what it is yet. Ah, you big tease. Yeah, so I'm only teasing, hence the really, really close-up shot of the, the engine and stuff. But it's it's a big one. So huh. that all that space I cleared out came in real handy for this. <laughs> really, really <laughs> handy. Okay, so we don't have to do 20 questions, but is it bigger than the shot cup? Yes. Oh, my. Ooh. Ooh. Hmm. Okay. Dang. See, now I'm intrigued. <laughs> you want to do the 20 questions. Don't you? This is the sound of me <laughs> scratching my chin. You know, you know, Fitz, you could just bleep out this whole conversation so we, we can go ahead and guess and the audience won't know. <laughs> uh, he doesn't trust us. All right. Well, darn it. So when will we be able to uncover this bad boy? I don't know. Actually, there's something I need to ask you, Lee. I can do it after the show. <laughs> that might determine that. Here, I'll... <laughs> Never mind. Okay. Let me know. Okay. All right, so, let's move on. This is the longest intro ever. We're still the intro? <laughs> I guess so. I don't hey, know. Hey, it's a new year. Maybe we'll try something different. Well, you didn't even have a corny joke, so I, I don't know how to move on from that. That's uh, my New Year's resolution. No more corny jokes. I like the corny jokes. Turning over a new leaf. Hmm. <laughs> Turn it back. Turn it okay. back. <laughs> All right, if you insist. I'll get the you, corn. You had it, you had oh, it before 2020. So. I, got a, I got the coolest gift. I have a good friend of mine. Well, there we um, go. Who just who just insists on giving me Christmas gifts of stuff? I tell him, "Why are you doing this? I don't, I don't want anything." But I, he just likes giving gifts, and so he shows up. He gave me a really neat birthday gift. Uh, I, I don't think I told you guys about that. I had one of those paper airplane. Or, oh, the uh, power up. The power up, yeah, like V four. I guess it's the newest one. Okay. Um, he gave me that for my birthday. Uh, I still haven't taken it out of the box. I was going to gawk at it. Yeah. Um, and so for for. Uh, he lives real close to me, and so for uh, Christmas, he comes over and goes, "Okay, walk out your front door." And I walk out, and there's a series of boxes in my front porch. I'm like, "What the hell?" And he goes, "All right, open this one, then this one, then this one." <laughs> so opening these series of boxes, he gives me a popcorn maker. Okay, and nice. the popcorn, <laughs> and some like special butter stuff. And some like special caramel mix for the popcorn. So it's this whole series, and it's it's actually a really neat popcorn maker. I've actually used it several times because it's actually really quite neat. <laughs> um, it's a three piece deal, and so you have the heating element, which is the bottom piece, and then you've got um, the plate that goes over the heating element, and the plate has this nonstick surface. It's vaguely bowl shaped but not totally but um and it has a rotating device in the middle of it a sort of stir thing okay and so it's it's there's a a spindle in the middle and so when you turn it on it heats up and the thing in the middle starts rotating at about you know five rpm or something like that it's very slow but and then 
the cover goes on top. And what's neat is after the popcorn finishes popping and it pops really well because it's got this mixing thing and a nonstick surface, you can take the two top pieces and flip them inverted and the top cover is now the bowl that you eat out of. Hmm. And it's this big, huge bowl and you put like four ounces of popcorn in it. And it's got a little cap at the top of the bowl. You leave open for popping and then you cover it and it's now the bottom of the bowl. And it's just a real clever little, I, something I would have never thought to bought for myself, but he had one and liked it so much that he thought that I should have one, that, <laughs> that I needed one. One of the things I didn't know I needed, but it actually does really good. So What size I, LiPo does it use? Uh, I guess okay. any size. I, you got a good I was about to ask if it's out in the workshop and he's using it to, to feed himself when he's working on that plane. Well, technically you could use it off a 3 or 4S LiPo in a power inverter, and that would power it and run it. It was a rhetorical question, Fitz. Make it so. Well, don't ask me these rhetorical questions. <laughs> I have a, a good answer for it, a technical answer for it. Like now all of Fitz's planes are going to have these buttery thumbprints on the wing. <laughs> <laughs> Why won't the glue stick anymore? Oh, speaking of lipo, I did get a lipo-powered soldering iron. Hmm. Okay, so just like a 12-volt soldering iron? It goes from 12 to 20 volts, I think. 20 to 12, 24. Oh my gosh. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it'll go from 3S to 6S. Huh. And is the output the same? or does It's it... adjustable. Oh, okay. It's, it's like a super intelligent soldering I'll be doing a video on it, video review on it, so you'll see. It'll all become clear. All right. Super intelligent soldering iron. Does it say, what is my purpose? <laughs> you could actually tell it to, to do that. Solder this. This has got a programmable <laughs> display on it, so yeah, you could do that. Danger, I'm hot. <laughs> hot, don't touch me. I'm too hot. You've to seen those stock it, photos that people it, make fun of with the, I guess, the models that are doing the things and they're grabbing soldering irons by the hot part. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I saw that. <laughs> No, Fitz has to get the robot voice and a female, you know, a British female voice, female. ready to solder. <laughs> Fitz, you make me hot. <laughs> oh, oh, speaking of British voices, um, so oh I. Oh my god, discovered... I can't believe there's a there's a segue here. <laughs> yes, it's it's only obliquely related. It's not related at all to models, but you said British, so um, also over the holidays, I discovered Pluto. This is like a streaming service that's for free. It's kind of like cable TV. It's got commercials, but all the channels are pretty much specialized by subject. And they have a Doctor Who channel, and I've been gorging on the old classic Doctor Who's, many oh of which gosh. I've never seen. Like have the you told old Jay like, Smith yet? Oh god! Yeah. <laughs> Next time I talk to him, I'll probably tell him. Yeah. It's been real interesting because they they have every one from the old classic ones from like the early 60s that are black and white up to the the last guy from the late 80s. Huh. So I've been getting my fill of British female voices and male voices. <laughs> Cheesy aliens and rubber suits and whatnot. So anyways. Right. So yeah, I've had a pretty relaxing uh, Christmas. I took a week off from work so I could concentrate on building a new plane and just kind of relaxing and enjoying myself and being completely useless going back to work. Try to remember what the hell I was doing and what my password COVID was. COVID free, hopefully. Yeah. Ooh, I did find out some bad news. One of my coworkers passed away from complications of COVID. Oh, no. Oh, goodness. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, and he was only a short time from retiring, too. I think he oh, was. man. Yeah. It's double whammy. Yeah. 
So we just found out Sorry about that a couple that. days ago. Sorry to hear that. Um, so, well, we're trudging along. Hopefully all our listeners are being safe. And, and if you are quarantined, there's this podcast you can listen to. <laughs> yes. Supposedly they talk about RC airplanes. But... <laughs> yeah, we, we we hope that you're still hanging on. We'll, of course, the next, the next topic might not be so good. Well, let's talk about RC airplanes. What uh, I think a couple of new things came out over the holidays, right? 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 Yeah, actually, I think we're probably right. a little bit late on this one. But right. we talked a few episodes ago about the Sunday Fighters from Old School Model Works. And when they first came out, it was... <laughs> Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. <laughs> right? So it was the general idea is that it's a generic biplane kind of fighter that you can make look like a few different things. And the original one, what do they call it? The Bristol Spadport. <laughs> so the name kind of reflects its uh, any airplane. It's like something on a ship, a spad port. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, that one's been out for a few months, but just recently, uh, Mark, who is the proprietor of Old School Model Works, he released the German version. And what does he call it? This is the... Das Badporten? No, the Heinschmidt. Heinschmidt. I don't know what that means. What is Heinschmidt? I don't know. And then a ketchup? Heinz is a ketchup. Schmidt is like a common name. Somebody get on Google Translate. They're Heinzschmitten. So, like the Bristol Spadport, it just has some very German characteristics to it, with the rounded uh, control surfaces on the. I guess every control surface: the ailerons, the rudder, the elevator. Anyway, it just kind of looks like your generic German airplane, so you can take it in any direction you want. It's and, fairly good. Stand way off scale Fokker D7. Yeah. I think that's the most, uh, the closest resemblance. Yeah. But yeah, you can take it in another direction too. It looks good. Yeah. Uh, so, what size are these things? Uh, 46 and a half inch wingspan, over 700 square inches of wing area. Wow. Uh, three and a half to four pounds, glow, electric, whatever. So, just a nice uh, sport flyer. Yeah, it should be a really good, good Sunday flyer. Yeah, and the cool thing about World War One planes, and especially German ones, is that you can make up any colorful scheme you want and then claim that it's accurate. That's true. So you're not <laughs> stuck Unlike those with dull the, British. Yeah, or like the... Any color lungs, it's brown. <laughs> right. And like even the modern jets and stuff, it's all gray on gray with low visibility insignia. So none of that stuff here. You can use fluorescent purple and say, oh, yeah, yeah, they had that. Yeah, that was the little-known uh, von Richthofen's second cousin flew that. Yeah. So that's out. If you're interested, look at him. And every time we talk about Old School Model Works, I get the website wrong. So I'm going to get it right this time. Oldschoolmodels.com. There you go. And you'll find that on there. Again, it's the Sunday Fighter, two different versions, plus all their other stuff. Good stuff. Balsa kits, laser cut, yeah. made in the USA. Glow or electric. Right. Uh, and some interesting stuff. In Mark's latest newsletter, he mentioned that his laser cutter went down. No. And, right, that, <laughs> that's pretty no. important. Yeah. So <laughs> you need that when you when your business oh. is laser cutting kits. Yeah. Such a business. So if I remember the story correctly, the laser cutter went down. He was able to patch it back together. 
<laughs> and it, bailing wire. Yeah, and it kind of limped along at half speed for a little bit longer, and then it just died again. It can happen. So he recently got everything back up and running the way it should mm-hmm. be. So he's full speed ahead again. Yeah, the uh, the tubes are consumable on that. The CO two tubes. Okay. The CO two laser. Those tubes actually wear out after a while, and you can have issues with the optics too. So even a power supply may be an issue. So yeah. It's like a toner cartridge. It's like uh, runs out of laser after a while. Yeah, I think the gases break down or something like that. I can't remember what it was, but yeah. Okay. Is that thing, something like that, inexpensive enough that you would just keep a spare on hand, or would you not? Yeah. Well, I think they're a couple hundred bucks, but oh, conceivably okay. you can keep a, if you're a business, yeah, you can keep a spare on hand. Yeah. Easily. Yeah. I'm not sure that's what happened to yeah. his. Just he, he said it went down. So. Yeah, this is purely speculation. I'm just saying that. If you didn't know that the, the laser tubes do wear out after a while, um, but you can have any uh, a myriad of other issues with the pump and the fans, and catalytic the, converter, the catalytic converters, the framostats, the yeah. discombobulators, crystals. Yeah, the little crystals. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they're a real nightmare. So, so there's that. I heard you wanted to talk about something too, Fitz. Oh yeah, this I had seen this before, and I kind of had forgotten about it, or went to make went to make a note about it, and lost my notes or something. But there's a company we've never talked about before called OMP Hobby, Ohio Model Products, or Ohio Model Planes, Model Planes, Planes. And uh, what's really caught my eye is they have Ohio Model Porcupines. There we go, Ohio Model Porcupines. It's a very prickly subject. So, there's your pun. Happy now? No. No. Okay, because that was a terrible pun. I expect told better you. from you. Uh, so I guess what caught my eye is they're, they're producing a line of all-wood ARFs. And some of them are actually basically plug-and-play ARFs, just add receiver and go kind of thing. Yeah. For for something that's a built-up balsa and, you know, the normal whatever covering they use, shade uh, shrink covering, or I presume. And they've got a couple different models, and one that kind of caught my eye was something called the Bighorn, 49-inch span, some ginormous ailerons and uh, flaps on the thing. I guess it's basically, it's a high wing, kind of, sort of sport high wing, but apparently it's it's 3D capable pretty much. Here's what I think of when I see it. It's a balsa timber. Okay. I see that. Yeah, all right. That's a good analogy. Uh, so, what's the wingspan on the timber? One point two, or one point five? One point five. So, so maybe it's actually. Still, I think so. That was 1.2. Whatever. You keep talking. I'm going to look things up. Well, look it up. I see this as maybe slightly bigger than a timber, but um, but it's, it's basically that class. I think they're talking a eleven hundred kV motor, twenty eight twenty. So yeah, you're talking four or five hundred watts ish. My guess, 40 amp BSC. So, yeah, you're not going to go past 500 watts on that. Uh, nice, nice big propeller, 12.6. I guess you can link the flaps as ailerons if you want, looks like. Sure, why not? Or as a crow, all kinds of neat stuff. Kind of fairly colorful paint schemes and a, a choice of couple, two or three different paint schemes, too, if I look like it. Um and they've got some other aircraft as well. I just thought this was kind of a neat plane if you're really looking for something a little different and not foamy. But yeah. it uh, presumably has really good performance and not intimidating. Give them a look. 
I had seen him before, and I guess I forgot it. Kind of kicking myself for not mentioning him earlier. Well, did you notice they have a lot of helicopters fits? Uh, I saw some briefly, but I didn't really look. I'm here now. Let me look at the heli kits. Whopper choppers. Look at that. High performance. <laughs> OMP Hobbies, their own brand. I have no idea what they are. Hmm. Interesting. Well, back to the Bighorn. I've seen several videos of them on the interwebs recently. I think they did kind of a social media push to put it in the hands of some different RC people. Mm. And it looks like a good flyer and a pretty wide range of flight performance, depending on what you prefer. Because yeah. I've seen some people sport flying them and some people just throw them around the sky in 3D maneuvers. So, You see, they have another plane called the Challenger. It looks vaguely like an electrostreak. Oh, really? I haven't looked at that. It's a uh, page Challenger. It's also a balsa built up. Same size, 49 inch. Looks to be uh, more of a s sport racer kind of thing. Yeah. I, yeah. It I see tapered. what you're saying, but is that a constant cord wing? It's a constant cord, so it's not tapered yeah. like the electro streak. But. From the trailing edge of the wing back, yes, electro streak. The front end is kind of a stick. Yeah. But yeah, I see where you're coming from with it. Now, getting back to my timber analogy, mm. I was right in both respects. The night timber is 1.2 meter wingspan, but the turbo timber is 1.5. Oh, okay. And I guess the traditional timber was maybe... The timber X is also 1.2. Yeah, timber X is smaller. Yeah. So, a 1.5 works out to... What it's wingspan is that? 50 inches, isn't it? Well, 1.2 is 47 inches. Yeah. So, let me... So you get a couple hundred millimeters more. And then 10 inches 20, more. So 25. Passed, yeah, so you passed 50. Yeah, yeah, 10 inches more. Yep. So, yeah. Interesting. So it kind of, it's in that ballpark. I'm not saying they were emulating the timber, but it's that same genre. If you don't mm. like foam, there's your alternative. Yeah. So yeah. how much do those things go for? Uh, what was it? 249 for the plug-and-play? There's two three versions. Sorry. There's three. There's three versions. The is there plug and so, play, or excuse me, receiver ready yeah. is two seventy nine with flaps. The receiver ready without flaps is two twenty nine, and then they have an ARF only, which is the only one in stock right now for one seventy nine. Well, there you go. Thank you. So the ARF is what airframe and power plant. I, don't I think it's just the ARF. I don't think it's. Oh really? Not even the a power airframe. system. Oh, and you know what? There is one more, and it's sold out though, and it's the non-flap version of the ARF. And that's just a few bucks less. So get the get the pro flap version. So yeah. they're all sold out. So apparently we are way behind the curve on it. <laughs> yeah. No, there's one left. There's like there's one left. Call now. <laughs> Get the pro <laughs> flap ARF version. Tell them we sent you. <laughs> yeah. They'll say who? You get them another two percent off. <laughs> Supplies are limited. All right. Let's move on, shall we? I think that was it. Well, we have something else to talk about. Don't we, Lee? <laughs> we do. Huh? We do. What has happened in the RC modeling world lately? What has happened? Everything is peachy keen. If you're flying, <laughs> that's good. Just keep flying. Just fly. Yeah. No, no worries. Just, just fly. Just fly. In fact, I know I'm. we're leading into a conversation, but the other day someone posted an, on a Facebook thread, you know, 
do I need to, you know, should I stop flying now? Is it over for model flying? <laughs> Everybody was probably like, no, <laughs> just, no, don't get out of the hobby. I would, I would oppose it. Yes. Just give all your stuff to me. <laughs> Not worth the hassle. Mail it to this address. Yeah. <laughs> I'll pay postage. Well, we're alluding to remote ID. The final rule came dun, out. Dun, dun. Dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. And I will, I'm going to just say this to my buddies. We have not had a discussion about it. We figured we'd save it for this podcast, although I was really eager to get it something out for you guys, but we're kind of behind. I mean, with social media and, and so many YouTube videos that I've seen, uh, if you're listening to this podcast and you don't know <laughs> about remote ID, we'll give you a synopsis, but I will say I'm, tr- I will hope to keep it short. I don't want to ramble. Although I have tons of notes sitting here in front of me because I just jotted down stuff. I think I'm just going to start by giving the executive summary. Yeah, because FA- I think we should, I think there's a lot of misconceptions and misunderstandings out there. So if you can give sort of a, a you know, a clarification where you can of just what exactly this means. Okay. So I'm giving my buddies, Fitz and Terry, permission to interrupt me. Okay. They, and I, Terry's already doing it. I don't need your permission. You're not the boss of me. <laughs> I, I should point out that the AMA did a similar kind of thing either the day after or a couple of days after this thing was released. And I thought they did a really good job with it. So Agreed. if if you don't like us or if you're tired of us now or if you just want more information, go to the AMA's. It's probably on their Facebook page and their YouTube channel, whatever outlets they have. Go there and watch the the show they did about it last week. And I think you'll be, it, you, you probably won't feel good about it when it's over, but you'll feel less bad. Yeah. I caught some of it too. And they actually started answering questions too. People were asking in the chat. So, yeah. and I thought it was pretty succinct. Although there's still, well, I guess we'll get into it, but there's still a lot of TBDs apparently. Yeah. A lot of <laughs> asterisks and small yeah. print. Yeah. And I have to of- say, I was a little concerned when this came out. What was the date? It was 28? last year. <laughs> yeah, 28th. Yeah, Lee was out in the woods with live firearms. <laughs> Suddenly there was a, so. a lot less squirrels to be seen. <laughs> yeah, but you, you pulled through and I'm proud of you, buddy. I actually chose not to read any of it until I got back. So I, I'm glad I didn't because uh, there, there's good things and bad things in this and uh, right off the bat, I'm going to tell you guys, I still think this is wrong. For those of you listening to the podcast, you've heard our show in the past. I'm not against the FAA. I, <laughs> I'm i angry with the FAA, but I'm not against them. I know that they, they've got to do want to something, see them as burn. I say. But I, I strongly believe this is still a huge mistake against hobbyists. I felt strongly that they should have divided UAs into categories. And it is clear we'll have videos posted on the release of this podcast of other folks on YouTube with their uh, views on the final rule. They're all good. And I got a lot of my information from them, but I'm going to say again, we, the FAA uses the term in this document, uh, UA unmanned aircraft. That should be what we're all called. And using the term drone in any other way is mainly a reference to multi-rotors. And even the Part 107 pilots accept that using the word drone is what they use to fly. And they talk about 
model aircraft as the old aircraft <laughs> that are out there or the old timers and so forth. And that's what I fly. And I believe they're a totally different beast when it comes to what should be regulated. So that being said, you know, we do have this rule. We're going to have to abide by it. Hopefully, as the guys mentioned, to be determined, maybe there's some more changes that can come. I would love to think there would be some positive changes we can make, and I'll, I'll mention them in the future. But here's the best news I guess I can tell everybody right now today. Wait, hold we on. Before you get into that, because I want to give you a big wide berth for that one. I want to back up a little bit. Look at that. You're, See, told you. <laughs> you're saying that there should have been division. And if I understood what you said, that division should have been fixed wing and multi-rider. Different uh, rules for each. Well, and... Possibly, but I think we're, we're going to go back to what we've always said, BV loss and V loss, beyond visual line of sight and visual line of sight. Air I've never said are, that. Well, what? maybe I've said that, but we have. my distinction is autopilot, GPS. no autopilot. Yep. Yeah, GPS that, or that's, not. that's mine, you know, well, semi-autonomous versus line of sight kind of thing. Yeah. I know, but I mean, if you're flying BV, BV loss, if, you, if your drone flies 500 plus feet away and you can't tell what, which way it's going... That's BV loss. I mean, I, that's it. I mean, you're relying on your button to say return to home if you can't see it anymore. Not it, necessarily. There's people who do beyond visual line of sight just through FPV. There's never but, an autopilot. Okay, but do they do that with fixed wing aircraft? Sure. You think people lose sight of their aircraft? Uh, yeah, for Intentionally? sure. Intentionally? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and, people do that. They do yeah. cross country. Now, I, I think that's dangerous because I think you have very limited situational awareness in that. You see what your camera shows you. So oh, I'm, yeah. I'm so envisioning I, people who listen to our podcast are going, oh, my God, Lee's on the hot seat right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I'm not trying to put you on the spot. I'm t telling you where I agree and disagree. Okay, well, obviously, Anyways, that's where you disagree. Well, let's I, go, back, I, go back to the rules before you get too sidetracked. And I will go back to that category situation because I mentioned it in another note for uh, the second part of the executive summary. So going back to the executive summary, the good news right now, as it stands today, for the next two years, guys, you get to fly like you have. Okay? There's not until around September of 2023 will this be handed down as law where you have to follow all the operating rules. So if you want to fly, keep flying. And hopefully some people will fight the good fight and maybe we can make some changes and you know relieve some restrictions. I don't know, but that's how it is right now. The other good news is they got rid of that stupid network broadcast over the internet. So no longer did you have to have some kind of Wi-Fi or network signal to fly. So what we're down to now are three categories. And they are standard remote ID, UA with remote broadcast module, and AFRIA, FAA recognized identification areas, which most people will consider an AMA field. Now that's a whole new that's another bag of worms I'd like to to touch on FRIAs, but that's that's kind of a safe zone for most hobbyists, especially people who like to go to the flying field and fly their model airplanes and like again what we've been doing. So FRIAs protect us. But the FAA has made it very clear that their goal is to make everything that is a UA flying in the national airspace to have some form of remote ID. So someone can look at it, pull it up on their whatever system we're going to have in the future, some kind of broadcast receiver to determine who that is, where they are, what's it doing, etc. So you think that FRIAs are temporary? I, or the exemption for FRIAs? 
the exemption for free is that you do not have to have remote ID. But it is it is mentioned, and I copied it right here. The FAA's intent intentions are in the future, okay, whenever that might be, they don't expect UAs to fly without some type of broadcast module. Even Fria's, at uh, Fria. We, well, as T- TBD. Yeah, I <laughs> you know, did things notice. Things can change. Yeah, I did notice that in most, if not all, of the mentions about remote ID and the Fria, I'm calling it exemption, but whatever it is, a rule, they use the phrase at this time. At this time, this is how we're looking at it. So I'm like, oh, they're really setting it up to change it down the road, it seems like. So is this the giving nose, themselves some wiggle room. Is this the camel's nose in a tent kind of thing? Uh, it could be. And I hate to think badly of... No, I don't mind thinking badly of the FAA. They've kicked us around for a while. Um, yeah, I would not be surprised if... This is some sort of appeasement that doesn't stick because I think for the most part, everybody feels like this is better than the proposal was by a long shot and it's better than we expected it to be in terms of flexibility for flyers. I'm not saying it's perfect. I'm not saying it's good, but I think it's less restrictive than we expected it to be. I disagree with you. <laughs> yeah, so Maybe that was an intentional thing that they are just easing us into it getting us to let our guard down they built this with intentions of removing items so that they would still be left with what they wanted okay i so don't think the faa lost anything i think they put stuff in there intentionally to ruffle our feathers and then took stuff out to make it look like they were being the decent ones but leaving too much too many questions for the future of what'll hold i think Fria's are okay. But a FRIA right now is an AMA field and it's what we've had for years. And they're basically saying, well, you need to go fly there without remote ID. But it keeps saying in this documentation, the FAA's intent is is that all UAs in the future, all UAs built and designed will have remote ID. And they're basically waiting for us, I'm saying us or our aircraft to die out. So that's why I think FRIAs in the future, may it five, 10 years from now, they might be restricted. They And again, it's this line right here. It says right here, FRI authorization, excuse me, FRIA authorizations, FRIA, will be valid for 48 months, may be renewed, and may be terminated by the FAA for safety or security reasons. And security reasons is so open to interpretation. Yeah. This is a new drone delivery highway. For security reasons, because we can't risk you running into one of these high expensive drones, your field is closed. I know that's very negative and I didn't want to go down that road quite yet, but that's why I'm not holding out hope to say that freeze will exist forever. I'm, I'm glad it's still there, but I think my one thing I was angry about, and I posted it on our Facebook page, was individuals and corporations who might have land to have an event or a fly-in cannot get their field recognized as a FRIA. They only will allow community-based organizations, CBOs, and schools, institutions to do that. And I think that's highly restrictive because let's talk about uh, Apache Pass, Fitz. I don't, I don't know if it's an a AMA field or not. I, it, I think it's like a farm. Yeah, but let's just say yeah. someone uh, – but let's – I'll just give another example. There's another field somewhere that people wanted to have a flight fest. 
you know, how long does it take to get that recognized? Is it something that can be temporarily done? Will it ever be acknowledged? And if it's not, but there's some guy who owns the property says, I'd love for people to come fly here if they want to, you know, be in a protected area and not have to use remote ID. Would it be recognized? And by the, the looks of this documentation, it will not be. No. So I, okay. And you know what? I need to go past this. I'm, I feel like I'm going to be the negative Nancy here. And, um, you know, again, the good news is we got a couple years to fly. Let's keep flying. I like that they're using UA, unmanned aircraft, versus the word drone in here a lot. That's just me personally. I'd like to start standardizing that. And let me go down the rest of this executive review here. Um, design and production. That's one good thing, Terry. You had talked about that in our earlier podcast. Were they going to require us to have our aircraft certified? Oh, <laughs> you know, okay. And what was the was it 50% rule or something like that? Of yeah. you know parts, so it, that does not appear to be in here at all. Thank goodness. Yeah, I understand that it's basically a hundred percent or nothing. So, if it's a hundred percent ready to fly out of the box, then you need the remote ID. Is if it's manufacturer, correct? If, and if it's not, then it doesn't. So you know, if they well, if you're at a Freya, you don't need anything. But right, right. If you're not flying at a Freya, no matter how it was built, you still need the module. No, I think this was. Be it from the manufacturer, a requirement that the manufacturer have remote ID in the package. Right. If it's not a complete ready-to-fly system, they do not have to provide a remote ID system. Correct. Yeah. It's up to us to either put a module in or fly to free. Right. So okay. conceivably, DJI drones would need the remote ID built in, and anything that's ready-to-fly package would need the remote ID built in from the manufacturer. One question I had here in reading this, it, I, I, this concerns this, there's like, again, three classifications. The one where the manufacturer builds it in, and that'll happen in the, you know, in the near future. Yeah. Then there's the adding the broadcast module, which would apply to us. And here's the comment. It says, enables retrofit for existing UA and broadcast module serial number must be entered into the registration record for that unmanned aircraft. Well, excuse me, the documentation did say we no longer, or they will not require us to register every aircraft. That's a great plus. We were talking about how expensive that could be to register every (laughs) home-built aircraft you make. So they did remove that. But I didn't understand why it said registration record for that unmanned aircraft. So this is a comment just to say they need to update that text or dialogue because if you're a hobbyist, you're registering yourself. And you're not registering the aircraft. So I'm assuming the broadcast module just applies to your recreational registration number. That's why I understood. The broadcast module will be linked to your FAA ID and not to Cor- any individual aircraft. Not the airframe. Right. Yeah, yes. However, the- I'm just saying the, the words unmanned aircraft are in that sentence. And that's wrong. It's so probably an ty- error, typographical uh, error. Yeah, well, I'm going to catch it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if we don't catch these things, they won't. Do you going to say something, Terry? Well, yeah, I think they addressed this on that AMA broadcast that their understanding is that the module can be moved from plane to plane. Good. Well, I'm, I read that. And I'm like, I hope that's not what they Yeah, that, like, I heard the same thing. It's one, one or more modules that can be transferred to different aircraft, but they all all have the same ID linked to your registration number. Yeah, that's what that's it. And I guess it, uh, now this, this module, I guess, is still a one big TBD. Nobody knows how big, how expensive, it's, how much it's power. It's vaporware. 
it's vaporware at the moment, and that's why you have three years, I guess, for them to get it. Oh, great. Fitz, you just touched on what I was about to mention. Good job. Uh, Broadcast modules, this is written, Hmm. broadcast modules must be designed to maximize the range at which the broadcast can be received. This is actually in the text. (laughs) Okay? So it says designed to maximize the range. But here's the question. Does that mean it... Can it be installed inside an airplane? Are they going to have restrictions that it can't be because of interference? Uh, uh, you know, I, I work with requirements, and I've written requirements and review them, and that's that's a terrible requirement. That's 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 just terribly written. <laughs> well, my, my comment here was, you know, how do we test this range? I can't get my Bluetooth speaker to work 10 feet from me. Yeah. How will a plane doing 50 miles an hour and changing altitude be able to transmit that to the ground that's, accurately? Range is based on many things, but mainly antenna design and effective radiated power. So how much power are you talking about? How much radiation? How much? It's, 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 that's, that's, that's got to be rewritten and reanalyzed because that doesn't make any sense. Well, we should look because George Wilson told us that the requirements for this device have already been written and they're in the books, right? It's an ASTM requirement. So we could go look that up and see what they're really talking about. I haven't heard anything, but we need to know, I mean, how, how much power or what kind of range they're looking for. Well, I mean, I this is again, it's TBD and it's all vaporware. But Fitz, just if you were to take a guess on how much this module might weigh, what do you think it would be? I don't know if I can answer that because it depends on how much power you're trying to put out of. And what some people are saying, it may need a GPS module in it, and it's going to need uh, an RF module. It may need some sort of processor. I don't know if it needs regu- battery regulators. Uh, it, it's you know, hopefully small and light as possible and cheap as possible, but it's kind of an unanswerable question at the moment. Uh, it And that vaporware term is just a, all over this broadcast module. There's just nothing that says this is going to be... This is when I, you... I, have, can we call it the written, magic widget from now on? <laughs> okay. Basically, it might as well. This is something written by somebody who's... It's magical thinking. It's basically what this is. It's magical <laughs> thinking. Guy. You guys yeah, are smart. It. You'll come up with something. <laughs> yeah, I got yeah, it. Exactly. All right, guys, this is what we do. We have them put this, this little box. It's about this big yeah. in their airplanes. Poof. <laughs> we and know who be they are. Where they are. <laughs> I mean, is that to say we can't do it? I mean, there's very smart people out there and industrious. But as far as the people writing this, it was it's verging on magical thinking. Right. Oh, you know, I should probably clarify, or I should clarify that I don't know something. I mentioned that George said there's requirements out there. I think what he said is that there are standards out there. And standards, standards are probably different yeah. from requirements. So, yeah, okay. There might be more to it than, than yeah. I was letting on. We must note also this module had to be FCC certified. Uh, yeah, FCC. Yeah, so it can't interfere with anything else. So right. it's not going to be on 2.4. And usually um, commercial stuff is limited in power for unlicensed mm-hmm. use. Right. As you know, if you study ham radio stuff, there's, they usually very tightly control that kind of stuff. And so a lot of that stuff is not going to have a whole lot of range to it. <laughs> we're going to be we're gonna be on CB bands. Breaker, breaker, whatnot. I'm flying here. <laughs> I'm flying here. <laughs> you know what? I, I made this comment here. I, I wonder if you guys would uh, appreciate my humor. But this broadcast ID, or excuse me, this broadcast module is an ankle monitor for hobbyists. Ooh. Oh, that's a good analogy. Yeah. So to those of you listening to the show, this is my plea to you. I want to make a a strong effort in working with the educational institutions in my area. I want them all to apply for a FRIA as soon as possible. I want them all to do their best to find 
the area of land near their facilities and make it available for STEM and young people to continue flying. Let's not, let's not lose the chance of, of not having enough Frias <laughs> available for those who want to get into the hobby. As one of the YouTube uh, vloggers mentioned, in the next few years, you're going to see a total removal of toy, and I want to say real toy, toy model aircraft off the shelves. Oh, the toy grade stuff? Toy grade stuff. And not, not that I'm a fan of it, but guess what? All of us have had it. All of it. I mean, I mentioned uh, many episodes ago that one of the first planes my son had was one of the uh, air hogs. You know, it was, or we flew it indoors, but it was fun as heck and it got him into it and he loved flying it. I, I, I'm sad that if we lose those type of, type of entry level aircraft, we won't get we won't get more kids doing it. So again, my my plea is for those of you who know your school districts or have contacts or teachers yourself, um, as soon as we have more information, I'd I'd love for us to start applying for those frias for those locations as soon as possible. And you know, the more frias we have, I think the little bit more freedom we have, uh, well, freedom and ability to keep people in the hobby. I feel like most of those toy grade things would be under 250 grams. So I don't know if there's going to be as big a, a change as you're talking about. You might know, be right, 250 grams is pretty light. <laughs> some, of the, some of those plastic <laughs> covers they put on those things uh, are heavy. <laughs> sure. So, and here's something else to think about. I saw a post by Ben Harbour earlier today, and he homeschools his kid. So does that mean his house is an educational institution and he can apply for a FRIA? He lives on enough land to do it. Mm -hmm. You're going to have to homeschool your kids now. I love that loophole. (laughs) Is it a loophole? I don't know. But it's it's a funny thing to think about. But I like it. I mean, that's great. But you're right. I mean, but the thing is, they're just the way they've worded it. It's not as, you know, I'm going to say it again. Their comments were their intent is to move everything to broadcast devices. Yeah, that's everything the FAA stance. We yes. get the loopholes, not you. The wording is our advantage. Now, here's something else that popped in my head. You were talking about those magic widgets, and they want them to have maximum range. So how do you get maximum range with a long wavelength? And what's the byproduct yeah. of a long wavelength? Long antenna. So we're going to be dragging around... Wire antennas. 72 megahertz antennas. Or more. <laughs> I know. <I'm> just, <laughs> remember all those receivers you had? We're going to turn them into broadcast modules. Yeah. Oh, boy. Yeah. yeah, the stuff you couldn't give away today. So that would be <laughs> interesting if airplanes start to have tails again. Flying tails. Yeah. All right, Lee, I know you've got more. Let us have it. I do, but I wanted to give you guys a chance to, to talk. And oh. You said something about a DAC comment. I didn't understand what that was. Oh, the drone. Oh, my gosh. Why have I just lost my mind? I just mentioned it. Why the Drone Advisory for... Committee? Thank you. Gosh, I couldn't get that word out. The Drone Advisory Committee. <laughs> These are the guys who are supposed to help us, you know. I can think of another A word. <laughs> drone um, Company? Boy, that's a that's a long conversation. The Drone Advisory Committee were, were the ones the FAA talked to about what, like, they were talking about the standards. They were talking about remote ID. These are the guys who are supposed to help us. Now, Rich Hansen from the AMA was on that board. And I had seen a couple of meetings where they talked and they had their slides and, you know, they were you know looking out for the hobby. But I got a, a message on Facebook that the DAC announced the new members. 
And I'm sad to see that there was no representation from the Academy of Model Aeronautics up there. And there is, I mean, it doesn't appear to be any represent, representatives for the hobby as far as traditional hobbyists go. Almost every person on there either is with the FAA, with the government, or runs a drone business. And I'm going to mean multi-rotor business. Now, not to say that those are bad. I'm, I'm all for some of these businesses that are, you know, doing research and uh, medical transfers, uh, shoot, deliveries, yada, yada. But it does bother me that there is currently no hobby representation. And if we're going to be placed in this category of drones, then we need it. And it should be mandatory. And I mentioned to you guys, I think if, if and when CBOs are finally recognized, it should be mandatory that every CBO has representation in the DAC. That's not unreasonable. I don't think it is. Yeah. But... It needs to be. It needs to be done. If they're going to make you live by the rules, you got to have some representation to help shape those rules. Taxation <laughs> without representation. I see. We'll throw our lipos in the harbor. <laughs> <laughs> Can I just throw some old NICADs? <laughs> okay. Uh, I had something else to talk about, but do y'all want to mention something? Uh, no, I admire your poise and composure throughout this difficult subject. I know you. Uh, it's a heavy thing for you. It's a heavy thing for all of us, but particularly you. Yeah. Okay, so to summarize, it seems like that the three things is 100% built aircraft from the factory has to have remote ID. If you're flying anywhere other than the FRIA zone, you need remote ID. And It doesn't exist. It doesn't exist. The you have guy to be a moment. sorcerer. <laughs> and FRIA's a.k.a. your model airplane, AMA-sanctioned model airplane field, or we want to call them, um, do not need the FRIAs. Do, not FRIAs. do not need the remote ID. I, I really hope more educational institutions are in that list of FRIAs. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I think there are two main points. The first is if you're a traditional RCer flying at an RC airplane field, the way this thing is written right now, it's going to be almost no change for you. You're not going to have to put a remote ID device in. Your field is going to have to apply for FRIA status at some point through the AMA or whatever. But outside of that, you should be business as usual. The flip side of that is I feel like this is written in chalk and the FAA is going to erase it and put in something different whenever they feel like it. All right. Now, this is where I throw a very big question and one that will just really anger, anger us. You ready? Mm, I'm already angry. So the standard remote ID has really been talked about as far as drones, multi-rotors, the DJI models, okay? That's what we've been talking about. But we have to understand that eFlight is going to have to make planes because they're 100% built by them. They're going to have to have remote ID built into it. But get this, okay? Because I just read this. It says that standard broadcast UA can restrict takeoff if everything is not functioning per the manufacturer's checklist. In other words, if it determines that remote ID is not working, you can't start your airplane. Is can or must? It says it can. It, it, no, it must. No, what's the word? Up right here. Is it must or shall? What is it? actually say yeah. <laughs> sort of we think there are specific words with specific meanings and requirements yeah 
Let me pull it out. Do do do. Searching to that one. Now, of course, this would only apply to the ready to fly. But so that would be that would be then, an airplane. I mean, is would they be able to get out of that? Say if they don't include a battery. Now, that's what I was thinking. You know, or they, they offer the transmitter as a, an option. If they a, offer, yeah, or they just you know you know now they include batteries for a transmitter. Well, if you don't have the batteries for a transmitter, it's not or, ready to fly out of the box. You yeah. need to add batteries. Or, or here's a list of transmitters you can buy. Yeah. That are compatible. Or you need a prop. <laughs> or you need uh, one screw. The, the wing hold-on screw is not in the box. you got to go to the hardware store and get a screw. This is in the executive summary. I don't have it in the documentation. But it says, the UA must self-test so the UA cannot take off if remote ID is not functioning. These are for ready-to-fly. These are for standard remote ID, which would be an e-flight aircraft in the next two years, within, built within the next two years. I don't know. I, I don't really see traditional hobby aircraft falling in that category it will i mean and it's a bit, but my point is the documentation is so open ended for under the terms ua or drones that remember we're under everything they're basically saying any ua and and it's all in this document everything is ua unmanned aircraft must follow this remote id policy that's going to include every model airplane that's built in the future so i'm just telling you spectrum is probably going to have to come up with a receiver that will not allow you to throttle up until remote ID is functioning. And what else will that be? What if it says it can't throttle up unless it has a good GPS signal? Okay, I because get that. That that would be bad, but we're just talking about transmitting. You don't have to get a signal back from somewhere else, and so you're not counting on any outside person or device <laughs> for that safety check. So I love you, but it says right here, UA must self-test so UA cannot take off if remote ID is not functioning. So right, it but has that to remote ID. <laughs> so how you gonna, what if it's a hand launch plane? <laughs> or a glider? No elevator. It's going to be a short flight. <laughs> <laughs> it, 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 it's like a real flight. It randomly takes out one of your control services. <laughs> but my point, Lee, was that the it's a one-way thing. It, it's not receiving. It's only transmitting. We so don't know that. Because do, if it has GPS, that, that is we, receiving. It is. I thought the requirement was only that it has to transmit this signal with this minimum amount of data. What signal? So is it, the, what's the, what's the information in the signal it's transmitting? The serial number and and altitude, yep. your airspeed. It's yeah, gonna yeah, it has um, to have all that. So in location is GPS, and that would be remote ID. I okay. You you might be right on that, but I also feel like there's enough wiggle room built into what ready to fly is <laughs> there's no wiggle room with the faa what so, are you talking about terry well what's the financial advantage for e-flight to come out with a ready to fly plane that has to have all that stuff in it there is none this is how they get us out of the sky i mean i'm not trying to i don't think it's that but you're not listening to me what, i'm sorry well would e-flight make a plane that qualifies as ready to fly knowing that they have to meet that standard or would they make something close to ready to fly that doesn't have to meet that standard because no <laughs> none of us want that to right? buy the rudder there's <laughs> rudder optional well, well, yeah, there's no advantage to us of buying this remote id model so nobody wants that so why are they going to make something more expensive with more burdens that nobody wants I love, your, I love your banter, Terry, but that's my point. My point is I'm reading this here, 
And it says all UA in the near within the next two years have to be built all by the manufacturer have to be built with remote ID capable. So I guess your only option would be if they can get away with it is all fixed wing. If they, I mean, again, I still don't think they're going to separate in categories. But if they say all fixed wing aircraft uh, have to purchase a remote module or excuse me, a broadcast module separately, I no, it, I can I'm see fine. a company like Spectrum just blanket including remote ID and all the receivers. Instead of having some that do, some that don't, it just, they all have it. It's a standard, just like their safe mode is pretty much in all their AS3X and safe is almost in all their receivers at this point. I mean, there are some exceptions, but it may be the, the path of least resistance and the best way to um, amortize the cost of doing it. And I would concur with that, Fitz. I think that would be the gosh, you know, easiest thing, you know. But then we'd have to replace all the receivers. If well, no, we don't. Well, I'm you sorry, get a module too. You still add. Yeah, you're right. You still add on. That's fine. You're right. But and I'm. I'm that's another important at, point to make here that this doesn't uh, make anything existing now obsolete, which was a concern before. So all your radio systems that you've got now will still work, and you can just add this module, this magic module. To whatever you've got to to meet the requirement, yeah. I, but okay, I, this is okay. This is where we're reading it differently, and I'm 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 those of you who are listening. We're, this is the first time we're talking about it, so <laughs> they're, either, they're yelling at you, they're yelling at me, or they're saying, "Fitz, jump in." <laughs> You're um, listening to the sausage making. Yes. <laughs> so the the point I'm getting to is the documentation here, as we've said from the start, the FAA keeps saying all UA in the future are going to be built with remote ID. And I would be very concerned about Balsa kit builders today where it says manufacturers must have their planes capable of using remote ID in the future. And But the next question, as we've talked about, if the standard remote ID is for the those 100% built aircraft, then even fixed wing airplane qualify under that. Yeah. We mainly think about like a DJI. And I know my son, you know, he's got his and he has to go through some kind of checklist and before it'll start or make sure you're in a safe zone, yada, yada. And I'm okay with that. And I think that's kind of what we expected the, that this was going to do is keep people from just taking off if they didn't have things working. But I wonder how far it'll cross that line into traditional model aircraft. And I'm just saying it's possible. They've already stepped this far. What's to keep them from going two more steps? I don't think that was in question. Uh, just, that's what I said. The ready-to-fly fixed-wing aircraft will have to meet those requirements. Yeah. Oh, and I'm just talking now. I wasn't talking to you two. I was just oh. basically making that little point. Back to you, Terry. <laughs> hmm. We may have a show in two years where you point your finger at me and, and call me bad names. But... <laughs> I think I there's not going to be hobby airplanes that fall under that ready-to-fly class that are um, bound to that requirement. You heard it here, folks. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, so we want to put uh, a bow on this. Well, I want to jump to the second section of the executive summary, which has to do with Part 107. Yeah. And I'll, it'll be pretty quickly. But the what I wanted to point out was I just got my Part 107. And Yay! Now- <laughs> you didn't just get it. You smacked it around. And <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you ready for this, though? They've they called now, you daddy. <laughs> I, I am proud of my 97, yes. And we talk, We mentioned talking about the whole process I went through, but I guess we'll save that for the next episode. But what I want to point out here, and it's funny and it's not so funny, but this, this Part 107 stuff they changed actually changes the test I just took. Now, the good news out of this is they're going to start allowing uh, flights over people. 
Okay, and Wait, that's good news. Is, that is good news, and people have been asking for it. And so they used to have to get waivers, but now they're allowing it. But this is the pro con. The pro is the new rule when it comes into play, which I think would be like this year, um, means you have to take another test that includes the new flying at night and over people parts to update your part 107. And the better part is instead of having to go in person to take it, you can do it online and it's free. So yay, I could in the next, you know, few months when they roll it out, I can go back and while it's fresh in my head, take the test and now be licensed for those new features. So is that an add on certificate? Like there's a base 107 and then you can get, a certificate to fly over people or fly at night, or is it, it will, all going to be rolled together? All together, it'll be all together. So we just, you know, they're adding it. So it, I'm sure it's not a big deal. A lot of people are just going to go retake the test, and the fact that it's free is just, you know, like a refresher course. How's that? It's so free I'm, for those who already have it. That is correct. It's okay, free and you and it's online. But if you don't have a 107, you'll still have to. They will pay. probably that. Well, when the, the when the new test comes out, they'll tell you you need to learn this new material. And. When does that go into effect? Well, it says here the final rule amends the existing 107 and will be sent to the Federal Register and effective 60 days after publication, which will be in January, so March, April. Okay. Which is great. I wonder if there's going to be more questions or if they just swap those questions out for stuff that's already in there. Well, it's not going to have anything over like what you... You know, like reading a map, it'll just be part of the regulations, which is fine. But this is the part that I'm, I'm kind of mad at. And bear with me for a second. It says category one, two, three, four eligibility for operations over people. And it says the final rule establishes four new categories of small unmanned aircraft for routine operations over people. And the categories are basically from small aircraft to large. And the large being category four would be the big delivery drones. Okay. These are ones that you actually have to get an airworthiness certificate. The but, flying Cuisinarts. <laughs> exactly. And you, oh my God, you jumped right on it, Terry. You're, you're always doing that to me. But that is the thing. All these all these categories require you to have uh, prop covers. Oh, okay. So no exposed rotating parts that could lacerate human, human skin. <laughs> it actually says that. But here's what pisses me off about this. Everybody listen. Here we come. Closer. Come here. Listen. They took the time and effort to make four freaking categories. To fly over people. They couldn't take the damn time to separate drones into categories. What the hell? They took all this time to do this minor weight change with kinetic energy about, you know, between 55, you know, less than half a pound, 11 foot pounds, 25, all this crap. And they couldn't take the time to pick categories for UAs. That would really solve some of the problems we have with traditional flying and multi-rotor pilots, specifically, say, Part 107 pilots. And I just don't understand that. And I wish they would have just, they wish they would have listened to me. I wish they would have read my comment and just say, you know, when we talk about transportation and motorized vehicles, we don't just have one classification. We have several. And they could have done that and they could have applied rules to each classification and they chose not to. But then they waste all their time on this for operations over people. Okay. And I just, that just kind of ruffled my feathers. But going back to the good stuff, this is something that a lot of Part 107 pilots have been asking for. I haven't had a chance to use my Part 107 yet. So, I mean, it's no harm done. And it, it I know it makes some people happy. But even those pilots who are Part 107 that got this into their final role are still pretty upset about the broadcast information that's being sent out, particularly where you have to 
indicate where you are as a control station. Like, where is the pilot in command? And they're really worried about the Karens coming over and beating them with a you know trash bag, <laughs> a, tra- a doggy poop trash bag or something. That you're scaring my dog. So, <laughs> yeah, I'll be honest. I'm not crazy about this flight over people stuff. I think there's still a lot of dumbasses that have a part 107 that are going to do dumb stuff over people. And I don't want drones <laughs> flying over me. Well, I promise you, you, you know, Terry gave us his future two two year of the future. <laughs> mine is my crystal first, ball. Yeah, his, his crystal ball is that mine is the first unfortunate in, in the midair we're going to have with the drone will be a delivery drone. It's not going to oh. be a person in the hobby. It's not going to be a person who's who's doing, you know, video recovery. It's got to be some stupid delivery drone. Cupcakes and, that, and blood everywhere. Cup, it was yeah, awful. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? You nailed it, Terry. You did it again. That's exactly that. That damn cupcake delivery drone is going to do us in. And I hope everybody thinks about that because what's going to hurt us the most is the lawyers and the insurance companies will bury this. And we'll still get stuck with these stupid rules. And I think I will end my remote ID conversation on that note. All right. Well, I'm kind of curious what a propeller that's incapable of lacerating human skin looks like. Is that a conducted fan, which is notoriously inefficient for most applications? Maybe there's something I'm not thinking of. Those cloth propellers you see in those fans, those handheld fans. (laughs) (laughs) Those kites at the beach. Huh. There were some curious minds at work developing these rules, and they have jobs and they get paid. That's scary. Yeah, I'm not saying something like that doesn't exist. I just can't picture what it is. Maybe if there's just a cage around it or something. Well, even that, I, hmm. I I follow a UAV uh, Instagram page that just pulls up UAVs from all over the world, and, and some of these are massive. You know, they're oh, yeah. huge, and those blades would would chop up a couple of people <laughs> if it fell on top of them. <laughs> it might it might lacerate some human skin. Yeah, whatever. It's just a couple people. This is progress, man. You can't stand it, in the way. Did you get your cupcake? <laughs> Was it worth the cupcake? <laughs> all right. Any, anything else you want to add, uh, Fitz? I know I've kind of kept you off. I apologize. No, that's fine. I think we summed it up pretty, pretty well in what so far. I mean, there's it, you, there's videos. Maybe we'll post it on our links. Uh, Lee, you had a bunch of videos that people can watch. Uh, one varying from. 20, 30 minutes to 20 hours, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> well, there was a, well, that was with Vic Moss and uh, Greg um, uh, Riverdiel. That's how, Rever- he's French. That, he's the gentleman from Pilot Institute that I took my class from. Yeah. Oh, okay, cool. Riverdiel. Um, the, the, the main one that I was going to listen to, I haven't had a chance yet, is, uh, what's his name, Bruce over in the, our, our, our <laughs> cranky Kiwi. Oh my God, he that, that one's pretty loud, and you need to turn the volume down. He's very, <laughs> he's no, that's his normal yeah, voice. He's very like angry up to 11. in that one, but he's he's not wrong. You know, I, that's the part I got from him. He's he's so right. The FAA just shoved stupid stuff in there and then pulled it back to leave what they wanted, and that's exactly what it is. And you know, the next uh, year or two is going to be very interesting to see what yeah. starts coming out as far as patents and and temporary uh, or I say beta testing. Yeah, did, broadcast modules. did you say somebody has already sent in a patent? <laughs> yeah, there's submission. And he's, oh, this is even better. That guy, he's on the drone, um, what is it called? Drone Alliance Committee. Oh, drone advisory. nice. Yeah. Is that, Nothing drone advisory. So is that a little bit of insider trading there? 
Yeah, I mean, that's the isn't that weird? So he works for a drone company. He's got a patented already in there. Hmm. Uh, you know who's who's get who's got the new car? Who's got the new yacht? Yeah, what a quinky. Those are the people you need to look at. Uh huh. Hmm. We can have our own patent. We'll make our own verse. <laughs> well, I and, and for those of you who stayed on this long, who are building in your workshop or having fun, thank you for listening. And this wasn't as educational. <laughs> I mean, there's definitely uh, if you read the whole documentation, you'll probably fall asleep. It's 470 pages, and it's uh, it's very busy. But there are some good videos up there. We'll we'll like we said, we'll leave links, and anything we hear, we'll update. Um, but as I said from the beginning, just keep flying. We, luckily, we don't have to do anything right away. They, they're not just, you know, arresting us <laughs> crazy drone pilots. Yeah. So have fun, build, and keep tuning into our RC Roundtable podcast. Okay. Sounds like a plan. Yes. Thank you for that. Are we still going to talk about uh, workshop stuff? Sure. I told you that I did not go flying, but I did get another airplane. And yes, I got it through Facebook. I ended up trading one of my RC cars for a, I guess it's, uh, it's not Hangar 9. Is it E-Flight that has it's the E-Flight. carbon cub? The CZ big cub. two point something, 2.2 meter, 2.1 meter oh, the big carbon the big cub. Blue yeah. and white beauty. Yeah, mm-hmm. the original version. So I got that with a six cell battery and it's in pretty good shape. Uh, it's in really good shape actually. Oh, wow. So, yeah. Is I that the original a... BL50 or BL60 motor? Uh, yes. No, whatever it came with. Okay, a 15 well, I, inch prop. Yeah, I, I, I think I may have mentioned when you told me you got that, the first thing I would change out is that prop adapter. Because if it's prop. the stock BL50, then throw that junk prop adapter away and get yourself one of those E flight aluminum spinners. What's wrong with the prop adapter? <laughs> It'll just come right off. Really? Uh, oh, I it doesn't mine down. cinch. It, it okay. just does, it's poorly made. It's just terrible. I mean, if you look at it, you can just see it's not right. Oh. And it just flew off and put a hole in one of my Thunder and Lightnings. Oh, <laughs> oh, you're just bitter. <laughs> I'm very bitter, but oh. I'm not the only person. If you, if you, I mean, uh, gosh, the thread for that thing is huge on RC groups. But yeah, most most guys are replacing that prop adapter. Well, yeah, I don't want to be around when a 15 inch prop spun up my six cells <laughs> gets turned loose on my shop. So, yeah, I'll look at that and see. So yeah, obviously I haven't flown it yet. It's all here. It is a surprisingly big airplane. I'm sure everybody out there is like, oh, yeah, it's been around for five years. Where have you been? So, yeah, I just kind of got my hands on it. And I'm excited because it is ready for a tow release, and this would be a good candidate, I think, for a tow plane for, like, two-meter gliders or something. So, yeah, I'll get it going. I'll let you know. What, you're not going to use the plywood overcast for towing? (laughs) Uh, No, I'm not. (laughs) Oh my God! Could you please tow the CZ Cub with plywood over gas? There you no. go. <laughs> <laughs> it's a T tail. Why would no? Oh my God! Three. Do three planes. <laughs> tow, <laughs> tow the Cub towing a glider. You guys are forgetting that plywood overcast is a twenty pound beast. That it's not a powerhouse at all. It's just big. Well, fix that. No. Just one more S. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Two more S's. <laughs> now you're the one who made me get it to fly. I did. And and I did. I that. did. <laughs> so You're welcome, I, everybody. <laughs> so it's I did awesome. what you asked. Now you can back off. Okay, well, enjoy your C Z cub. It's a nice plane. Thank you. I will. I'm excited about it. And that might be the only thing. Oh, one more thing. So we talked a few episodes ago about the Flex Innovations Piranha. How do we say it? Piranha? Piranha. 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 
So I got one in the mail yesterday. And just barely opened the box. It's yellow. Ooh-wee. That's all I can awesome. tell you. It's yellow. Awesome sauce. It's yeah. yellow. <laughs> cool. So yeah, more to come on that. I'm excited. And quarter 20 holes to be drilled through the wing, right? Many. It's going to be Swiss cheesed like nothing. <laughs> you know what? You, you said Swiss cheese, but have you guys ever tried to like dimple a plane to make it look like a golf ball? No. Why would you? <laughs> no. Well, did you ever see that Mythbusters where they dimpled a car to see if it would travel faster through the air? Oh, because I heard of about that. I don't think I ever saw it, but I did and, hear about and it. And supposedly it worked. I was like, I wonder if anybody's ever tried that with an airplane. Huh. Uh, they, no, they did have aircraft that had lots of pinholes in them and that they would vacuum the boundary layer down through those holes. <laughs> I think the F-104 Starfighter had that. It had the boundary oh, really? layer control active. Yeah. He used. The, I thought that... Pushed air out. I might have pushed air in. out. Yeah, I think he's dead. It pushed air out. Yeah, you're right. Well, after your whole flying experience with the piranha, just <laughs> give yourself a couple of days. <laughs> little dimples in the whole thing. <laughs> See if it changes the flight performance. Okay, I'll do that. Now, you're the one who likes the 3D print airplanes. That's how you could do the dimples. Yeah. Uh, that's true. So. Oh, my God. <laughs> I know, but you still have to sit there and uh, uh, tinker cat. I don't know what I'm going to do in the room. I'm sure there's a golf ball mode. You can just put it in there. (laughs) (laughs) Activate golf ball mode. All right. That's all I had. Now I want Fitz to tell us whatever he can about the secret things going on in his skunk works. Uh, Okay. Well, it's going to be a new review. uh, A magazine review or a video review for you? Yes. Okay. Uh, so the video review will probably be out first and the magazine will come out eventually. Uh, and it's big and it's military. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh, and it's, it's using the, uh, EME 60 CC gas engine. I don't know if you saw, I talked about a little I bit did. on one of my live shows. I don't know if you saw that or not. Oh, uh, no, you don't advertise your live shows. They just oh. pop up. Uh, I'm like, oh, Fitz was live today. Because usually I don't know I, I'm going to do them until I, <laughs> until I... I usually get the pop-up like at the last, you know, five minutes. <laughs> well, that's YouTube's fault. Now, what was interesting in your Instagram post today is that this has onboard start, electric start. It's got a cell start. You just press the button and it kicks over. Have you used that yet? Yeah, I played with it a little bit. I got it wired up and it's, it's neat. I haven't started the engine yet, but I did do a couple of tests button presses and it's neat to press the button and then <laughs> kicks the line it's like having a really sick electric airplane <laughs> All right. so that'll be interesting to see yeah yeah and yeah. is that single cylinder yeah single cylinder in this one okay yeah alright so I'm going back to single cylinder which I'm a little bit sad but the auto start makes up for it yeah alright cool any other new planes um, slash old planes that are new to you? No, I've been mainly working on that. I had started working on my A-10 again, uh, getting it finished up, mainly 3D printing parts and weapons and stuff for it. Did you uh, ever paint that thing? Oh, yeah, it's been painted. It's actually mostly okay. done. It's really, really close to being done. The painting is finished. Detailing is finished. Uh, right now, I was just working on weapons. I'm changing up the weapon stores. Um, interesting story, small world. So the, this paint scheme I used is a paint scheme from the, it's anniversary edition for the Connecticut Air National Guard. 
because you know, as you know, I used to live there, mm-hmm. and I had remembered say, "Hey, wait a minute! I thought I had connected to one of my old high school classmates. He, he had done something with International Guard, and so I pinged him. And it turns out he actually worked on that aircraft that I bottled. Ah, he he knew all about it because I was asking." Some about some of the weapon pods, some of the stores that they carry, because I had pictures and I was trying to figure out which weapons and stuff that they flew, they would normally fly around in when they're not in theater. And he's like, "Oh yeah, yeah, we use the ALQ this and the, the GBU that, and, um, and here, by the way, here's a bunch of pictures I have." <laughs> 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 so uh, it was really, he was real nice, real great uh, to help me out and figure out what weapon stores and what pods and stuff I want to put on it. And, uh, so that, that was that's pretty cool to have um, somebody I actually knew actually worked on that particular. I think they only painted one aircraft that that those colors. So he said, "Oh yeah, mm. this is number six twenty two or something like that." Uh, oh, so cool. so it's not gray on gray anymore. No, no, it's actually two tone grays, and it's got some a little bit of weathering, and it's got some details, and it's going to have uh, extra weapons and stuff on it. So it's going to look pretty neat. Oh, and I yeah. wired up a nose wheel brake for it, so it's got a oh. brakes now too. Electric brakes? Yeah, electric brakes. Some some wheels I had hanging around that I had no use for, I was always been looking for use for, and I figured out, oh, yeah, this would make a nice wheel brake. So it's got electric brakes on it now because the thing would roll out pretty long when I landed it, so that'll help. Interesting. And now, speaking of 3D-printed ordnance, I'm sure you guys have seen Chris Wolf's Legend Sky Raider. Oh, yeah, yeah. He, yeah. he printed out a bunch of stuff to weigh that thing down. It looks <laughs> fabulous. Yeah. Yeah, he's uh, did a good job. Pretty got some some uh, some Mark eighty two bombs, I think. Some regular dumb bombs dumb? and yeah, all kinds of stuff. All kinds of neat stuff. I wonder if he's going to print out a toilet for it. <laughs> well, that would be a Navy <laughs> version, right? His is Air Force. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but he everybody some... uses a toilet. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, right. yeah. <laughs> so he posted some photos the other day of a flying trip he did. I think it was Rabbit Dry Lake or some Dry Lake. Yeah, out there. I mean, ask. Did you guys ask him where that is? That that uh, looks anywhere near San Diego. Southern California. Yeah, I don't know. But it was great. I mean, the whole background is this nice brown and then the blue sky yeah, and the I'd contrast. Love... The photography was just superb. He usually does nice pictures, but this was just really great stuff. Yeah. I'd love to know so where if that you is. Haven't, yeah, if you haven't been to the RC Geeks webpage or Facebook page, go out there and you'll see some stunning photography of yeah. stunning airplanes in a stunning location. Yeah. And I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. That's okay. No, no, that was a good, good lead-in. Yeah, he's been flying that. He says he apparently really likes it. The, uh, of course, I've seen those here. I've seen them fly the electric and glow that Lee has too, the same model, and they're very impressive, very nice models. Um, uh, I guess uh, Legend Hobby imports them. Um, what else was I going to say? Um, oh, since I made, you know, since I have a lot more table and workbench space and stuff, I started playing with helicopters again. <laughs> it fills the void, doesn't it? Fills it fills the void, yes. <laughs> well, I actually have a little table that I set aside for a helicopter, so... Uh, RC abhors a vacuum. Yeah. So I pulled one off the wall that I had finally gotten around to fixing up and been flying that on and off the past couple of weeks. And I finally started to upgrade. I picked up a flybarless head from... Uh, um, uh, what's his name? Rosnick? Is it Mike? Oh, Michael Rosnick? Yeah, Mike Rosnick. Uh we did some horse training, and I got a uh, flybarless head I've been meaning to get because I want to put in the scale fuselage. And so I started the process of changing the head on it. Of course, I'm missing some. The links are all out of whack, so I needed to order, to order some 
replacement links to get everything lined up, but uh, at least it's off the wall and on the workbench, and I can work on it. And that's kind of what I wanted. I wanted several different workbenches so I could have projects that I can actually tinker on, and I didn't have to devote all my time to one project because I only had one or two spaces. I could actually work at my leisure on right. various things. And, you should uh, set up like a sushi bar. The projects just kind of go by you. And you like a bear belt? Spot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, that's not bad. So it's, 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 uh, I employ everybody. It's nice when you actually have a system and, uh, a sort of way of setting up your workshop that makes things a lot more convenient. You can actually be more productive. Yeah. So once this big project is off the bench, I'm going to revisit small is coming up. I just, what's his name? It says six months or five months, five months. Yeah. Six months. Here it is. It's like, oh crap. That's really quick. So there's some things I wanted to do for next small, so I may need to get those on the bench and start working on them. Does that mean you're definitely going? Uh, probably. It's not 100%, but uh, I'm inclined to go. Okay. Put it that way. Uh, Lee, have you ever had interest in going back? Yeah, yeah. It's just COVID and kids' schedule, that's all. Oh, yeah. No, it is. And that's it for me. I That's, you know, just... Just chugging along, spending time in a workshop, doing the thing, doing the stuff. That leaves Lee. Who begged to be last, so he must have something good. Oh. You finished your giant robot? Is that what it is? (laughs) Superman. Plans for world domination complete? (laughs) No. Uh, My nephew came over over the holidays and brought his e- ecx ruckus oh that's a truck he, the little truck oh okay i had no truck. idea what that was this is like the third time i've repaired it <laughs> <laughs> and he busted the front uh, frames on it so i actually ryan has one <laughs> that's why we got him uh my nephew one so i i took off parts from ryan's and fixed <laughs> fixed my nephews and then so actually i've uh, worked on worked on ryan's yesterday and i i still have a screw left <laughs> so I'm like where does this go i think i may have sent off my nephew's car without a screw so i guess we'll see how long his car runs until you know something falls off you reminded me when i when i was a kid my father always worked on the cars himself he never took it to a shop and every time he'd do major work he'd always end up with a handful of screws left over <laughs> he'd be like oh well I don't think it's important. <laughs> yeah, it runs. It must not be yeah. important. <laughs> so anyway, I'm I'm hoping it's okay. So I did that. Um, you mentioned you know cleaning your hobby shop. Funny thing, uh, Fitz. I have my shop has been a mess lately. And then after our little excursion to uh, that estate sale, I had just kind of piled everything in there. Well, I had to get a photo done, and I needed to use part of my workshop. So I basically just grabbed stuff and threw it in the garage to clear it out. I really like all the space I have right now. So I've got to move everything back and I just put it like in boxes and stuff. And I'm like, did I really need to keep everything separate? I probably should just take all the screws I found because I just kind of shoved them into one box. Mm. I think I'll just start putting them in my little collection of screws and stuff. <laughs> Cause you know, like you, once you had your table space and you got that plane there, it's like, oh, you felt better. Well, that's how I feel right now. It's like, I can't believe I can actually like build something right now. Yeah. I just got to be careful putting everything back so I don't get, you know, 
too much elbow room. And right now that P47 is sitting on its nose, like right next to my bench. So I'm, I gotta be careful around mm. that, but that's my next project. I've got all the stuff I need to finish the P47. Remind me what that is. The Seagull P47, the snafu that I picked up at the estate sale. Uh, okay. How big is that? Uh, 57. It's about the same size as my gas Corsair. Okay. And you're going electric with that? I'm going electric. I'm using the same motor setup that Chris Wolf used on a P47 he built. Hmm. Okay. So he recommended it. I picked it up. In fact, I got a great deal from Tomas with Legend Hobby. So he hooked me up. That was when, during that Pearl Harbor event. Oh, right. <clears throat> so he oh, yeah. got me all my goodies. So I got those in there. Uh, let's see. How many cells will that be? Oh, it's going to be the uh, six. Six, six cells. Cell? Okay. Yeah. So cool. it's kind of the same setup as the the H and M Corsair. Gotcha. All right. Um, but I think it'll be fun. And the nice thing about the Snafu, this particular bird, is that it was meant for electric or gas. So the hatch is nice and easy to get to. Unlike the H and M Corsair, we had to, you know, cut one. Did you ever see what I did? Did I? You know, I made a top hatch that folds back. Oh, I don't remember that. Because in the past you had to put the wing on. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, it's been so long since I've had it. I didn't remember that. Yeah, cut myself a nice little door. Yada, yada. So uh, I'm looking forward to, to getting that flying. I have, gosh, I have not been to the field in a month. Our flying field? Yeah. Maybe, maybe longer. I just, it's been so busy. You know, I went, I mean, I've gone to a couple of events, but it's just, I need to get back to my field. And, and in fact, Austin came up to me the other day and said, Lee, you know, he said, Dad, can we go fly? It's like, I'm sure, son. <laughs> you bet. No, it's just like we we just been so busy with scouts and band, and I already told y'all he did real well at his uh, UIL thing. So that was you know that that was keeping us busy. Right, right. Uh, the last thing was my 3D printer. I mentioned it at the beginning, but my my FL Sun QQ Dash S Pro had been silent for a while. I was running in the worst problems. I Fitz, I think I sent you photos of what my prints were doing in Kira. These zits all over the place. That I do you remember? If you did, it was a while ago. It was a, it was a while ago. Okay. I, I just you know for those of you who three D print, <laughs> I um I was having this weird problem where uh, I was trying to print another plane, and it was two things by the way. Fitz, you mentioned you touched on it. The files were way too big, so the the designer redid it, and I have much better file sizes and all that jazz. But Cura kept giving me these weird zits. So if I went back to an older version of Cura, they disappear. Maybe your version but, hadn't hit puberty yet. <laughs> that's it well uh i don't know if i have to mention this there was one setting that i happened to come across someone posted on facebook the oxyclean setting <laughs> <laughs> no what's that other one there's another popular one that's on tv um th this uh one setting that the default i'd never changed i've never had any issues he would change it to one number and it really cleared up the acne <laughs> <laughs> No, it really did help out. Now, I'm having some uh, overhang issues with this design that I'm working with the designer, so I'm, I'm working on it. But I've got uh, one fuselage piece behind me, and I'm you know hoping to start printing more and more and get a new 3D printed plane out. So, again, that's one of those. It's a 8 to 10 hour print, so it'll take several days because it's probably like 30 pieces. Is that the secret plane that you've been telling me about? It is the secret plane I've been telling you about, yeah. That'll be cool when it's done. Yeah. I don't think I can say much more. I'll, I'll, you know, I'll give you one hint. It's a twin. There you go, guys. All right. Yeah. So yeah, we'll see how that goes. I, 
I think that was all I had. Fix the car, P47, 3D print. Doop, done. <laughs> Just right, like that. Cool. So, Fitz, do you have a boat event coming up? Um, no, not in, that I can think of. I thought you about that's it. that's in April, isn't it? What's that? Isn't it March or April? Yeah, it's kind of early, so probably around March. Just because the weather's going get, to just get colder for the next month or so, and it'll start warming up again. Um, so. Hey, buddy, we live in Texas. <laughs> yeah, relatively speaking. Well, it's been kind of cold in the mornings, so when we normally have it. So. <laughs> and change yeah. the time. Never mind. You almost had to put on a jacket the other day. It's <laughs> madness. Yeah, we got a cold for coming. So, but I haven't thought of it. You see, oh, you haven't seen the pictures. Um, picking up 3D printing, our buddy Jeff has been 3D printing a PT-109 boat oh a big one cool and he's been showing some pictures it's looking really nice he's he's printing some deck guns and torpedo tubes it's it's building it for his father and it's it's coming along really nicely so he should have it done by the time we have our next boat meet cool it's going to be rc yeah rc yep okay brushed brushless gas you know i don't know no it can't be gas but it'll be electric of some sort all right cool keep us updated on that yeah Sure. Hey, and my, my neighbor came over today with a, I don't know if it, it looks like a Chris Craft wooden boat. It's an R, little RC boat. Yeah. It's very long though. Very long and narrow. Mm. Not, you know, usually the Chris Crafts are kind of have a little, little chubbiness, but this is like a dart. <laughs> <laughs> it's a guard boat. He, he got it from Phil and uh, he's like, I need to, you know, what do I need to do? And I was like, you know what? I'll, I'll probably just pull parts from my little plastic boat that I got from the AMA Expo and just mm. lend them to him so he can get that boat out for your next event. Oh, nice. Fantastic. So is Jeff 3D printing a miniature JFK? <laughs> I'll have to ask him. Okay. I don't know if he's in pilot figures or not. Oh. Uh, more boats. Uh, I, I got a couple of boat projects, too, I need to work on, but I've just been busy with other stuff. You're going to have to 3D print a Fitz to yeah, really? be able to have time to work on all this. What's that movie the guy clones himself? Several times. Duplicity? Yeah. That's what I need. I need a clone. Michael Keaton? Michael Keaton, yeah. 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 We'll have to watch that. Mm. All right, Fitz. Whichever version of Fitz you are, take us home. I am the doppelganger. You all bow before me. But before then, we'll see you next time on the RC Roundtable. Thanks, everybody, for joining us. And uh, we always enjoy... Your company, virtually, of course. Send us a note on our Facebook page or send us an email if you got anything you want to talk about. What is it? Uh, info at rcroundtable.com or contact? Contact. contact. I can never remember. Okay. Use guys. Use at guys at rcroundtable.com. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Please visit our website at rcroundtable.com where you can send us comments and suggestions or listen to our other great podcasts, where you will also find links to our iTunes and social media sites. Thanks for listening.